Welcome to the Self-Helpful Podcast, where we break down the classic and cutting-edge wisdom of self-help to discern how to actually make positive change in our lives. I'm Kevin Miller, and in this episode, I'm with co-host Dr. Randy James to further discuss my previous conversations with Sarah Fay on mental pathologies. We are all on the spectrum of mental health or unhealth, but when does one dip over into a real disorder or just needing some help? And in either case, what can you do about it? In our growing mental health crisis, how much is a result of clinically broken minds and how much is caused by lifestyle patterns? Medical doctors like Randy are the front lines of most mental health issues, so how do they and the system generally diagnose and treat? How much control and responsibility do you have in your mental health? Well, don't expect any easy answers in this episode as we strive to balance compassion and control. The point is helping equip you to be more informed about the options and opportunities for yourself and those you love in regards to your mental health and wellness and where you want to be, your mental state itself. If you find value from the self-help podcast, subscribe so you don't miss an episode and leave a rating or review and help others know what they can expect from the show. You can connect with me at kevinmiller.co. Next up, Dr. Randy James and I talk about mental health and our pathologies and what we can do about it. Are you, are you done eating? Can we record now? <laughs> okay, yeah. All right. All right. Uh, so Dr. James, so on, you know, so Sarah Faye's book, Pathological, and one of the big questions or premises that came out of it is that kind of fine line, or I don't know, balance between, so you're seeing patients all the time between is when something's going on and there's a diagnosis, does the diagnosis help with treatment? Or hurt. And and right away though, I want to separate that because if it's a physiological diagnosis, I guess that, that's it's such a different ballgame than a mental one. Because if the diagnosis is, yeah, your arm's broken, go get it fixed. Total different ballgame than the mental, which is you talked about, which there's no There's no lines. There's no <laughs> lines. So this is a great microcosm of the every man problem, or even the every patient problem. Or the problem on the side of the doctor of how do I approach this person, this human, this infinitely complex human, where, whereas on one hand, if your leg is broken, that's easy. And so all the time we say, gosh, thank goodness. If, if, if I'm going to get in a car wreck and break a leg, I want to be in America. We have a great, great system for that. Yeah. But if I'm in America and my symptom is not a a structural measurable problem because we can also measure some clear things in the blood thyroid some things like that that are clearly abnormal but it's not so clear and it's things about my mood or my energy or my hope i feel hopeless how do you have a measuring stick of that so for this very uh, feeling person symptomatic person yeah. and I, I didn't say sick but for this person who is feeling a thing the the guy with a sticker in his finger or a broken leg we can see it and measure it but when it comes to psychological diagnosis it's always hard 
and, and your first question, is the diagnosis helpful? Or on the other side, could it be harmful? So is it helpful to bring clarity to the situation? Or did we just shove this person in a box that traps them into a, a, a place? That's a great, okay, that's a great way of saying it. Because I'm thinking if I come in here with whatever the symptom is, what's the symptom for high blood pressure? Well, a, that, so it's called the silent killer because there's no not very many symptoms okay. at all until you're dying. Okay, but you hook me up and, and there is, I mean, there's a literal, can we say scientific? There's a number that For, says, Ooh, yeah. if you're here, that's, that's dangerous. We better help that. And you're going to give a person a high blood pressure medication right then and then do the functional medicine thing and go, okay, why do you have blood pressure? But hang on. Okay. Let's just go right into this. So blood pressure is in the middle. Because the body also doesn't have a line, it, you know, it's this s- smooth spectrum, and and then we the, we have pre hypertension, right? Like, yeah. we we don't. In contrast to a broken bone, a broken bone is a broken, it's a broken bone. bone. Right now, it could be a, fracture, a green stick fracture. Right, 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 right. right. Uh, so the and that's where I always say, look, the sicker you are, the easier you are as a patient. Okay. Right. Like if you're, you know, if we find you down on the ground, I'm not going to ask you how you feel. Yeah. I'm just going to do airway, True. breathing, circulation, off we go. Okay, so that, I don't care what you think. I'm going to try to save your life. In the ICU, you're, you got a tube in your throat. I breathe for you, pee for you, poop for you. I don't ask you your opinion. I don't care what your mood is. I, we're just going to keep you not dead. Yeah. But the weller you get, the more nuanced it all is. And so when you're looking at a whole person, well, not whole, a person with no physical measurable maladies and blood pressure is one of those things in the middle. I don't feel my blood pressure until it's way, 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 way too high or low. So that's cholesterol, same thing. You don't feel it. In fact, you don't feel pretty much anything related to your metabolism, bodily functions. But we see a weight, we see strength, we see speed, we see the manifestation of hope or hopelessness. Yeah, I'm seeing, I'm feeling, I'm experiencing my performance or uh, lack thereof. Yeah. And so I'm coming to you going, okay. okay. Your personal experience is a little lower than it should yeah, be or I, I feel I, okay. I actually couldn't stand up today or it may be I can't run a sub six mile mile anymore. Uh, six minute mile. Um, what, you think that's good? You think I could do that? Get, so I went, so... Guess what Tevin just ran in the last track meet? I'll probably be make me feel bad about <laughs> he myself. He shamed me. What did he do? He ran a 6.15. Nice. I was like, you're a little munchkin, and yeah. he ran a 6.15. That's awesome. Well, so performance. <laughs> so I'm measuring that and going, yeah. Well, and that is what we're talking about. So now I am a patient coming forward saying, I feel stressed. I feel anxiety. I feel I panic. I've done this with you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have a panic attack. Something's not right. And you're going, uh, okay, guess what? Yeah, why am I talking about this? We did this. This happened. <laughs> True story. Candor. Uh, and I came to you years ago, and there were some life circumstances happening, but it was also just just me. And I said, man, I'm, I'm wigging out. Yeah, that's you said. Get, you, I think you said, I can't stop thinking about it. Yeah. I can't yeah. not think about this. Yeah, it was a money thing. And I, and it wasn't even a bank. It's not like I was you know, going to end up homeless. No, it wasn't it even not, that. I don't know. Destitute. I look back was, now and it, it had more to do with right. relationships. It was the property. Yeah, yeah. yeah it was yeah. a rental property and some stuff. But, you know, a culmination of a lot of things, I, I guess. And I said, I, I need some help. And you looked at that point now and said, okay, that's, that is what I'm... Right. You crossed over a line and you're saying, I'm feeling pre-panic attack. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm feeling, okay, so we got some meds. You got some meds. 
try, try it out. We tried, tried, and it was a an SSRI. What, yeah, what would that Zoloft. be? Zoloft. Zoloft. Okay. Uh-huh. Um, so tried something there, and but of course, with you, of course, I, and I know you're thinking is you're doing some things here, buddy. <laughs> yeah. What else is which? Going now on? we get into some of that muddy water of am I. Is there something, is there a, and this is what we got into with Sarah. Is there then, do you look and go, oh, you must have a chemical imbalance. Something is broken or over here of you're doing some things in your life that are causing this. And there we get into the volatile tension because we don't want to, as humans, often accept our responsibility. And and as right as I say that, everybody hear this, please. So I don't get pushback on it. We are not putting this out saying everybody it's just personally responsible it's all your fault there is no problem brokenness whatever we're not saying that at all we're going to try to hold those both together yeah the there's a there's so much in there i know right like this is so hard but a, a, a woman this morning so classic just like you Okay, so you were the classic, yeah. you know, 40 whatever year old at the time male kind of stressed out, wigging out like you said. And she also had some physical manifestations of my tummy hurts. Uh-huh. Okay, but when we get into it, and now we're six months in, she just graduated herself. She just said, I think I got this. So I'm like, okay, I'll see you next year, right? Like, she just graduated herself out early out of the program. Hmm. And, uh, but it, it was talking with a wise person. And so that's where, as people hear this out there, don't think unwisely that we're bad mouthing medicines or diagnoses. Or that we're bad-mouthing not medicines or not diagnoses or using supplements or lifestyles or, or, or whatever. It is going to be the mature mind, the wise person that can say, gosh, we're all on the spectrum. No, we're we're yeah. all wrestling with these everyman questions. And so, so for her, she, she said the words, awareness. I, I have awareness now. Um. And the, it's, it's, it's kind of like also the, you know, I can read about, think about, wonder about what the quality or condition of being wet is. Yeah. But once I hop in the water and get out, I think, okay, now I can, I know a whole lot more about wetness and how it feels. And, and the same thing is true when we talk about, well, you jumped into the pool of Zoloft yeah. and you had a response. Or a no response. Well, right? I had like no a, response, but which was a response. Well, I know, but my response may have been: it's humbling to come in and tell you, admit to you, I'm struggling. Ask you Maybe for a that, med, and that pressure caused me to start looking at my life and some yeah, of the environmental both issues. You and I did a whole lot of. We did a whole lot of that. On well, a, and on this, you know, but to to, to, to when we're looking, we're at a mental health crisis. So this is we're recording this in May 2022, and we're at a mental health crisis, and like so many of the physiological health crisis too. It's a hockey stick right now, man. We are going through the roof. We are growing more problems or seeing more problems than we ever have. And so along this line of, are we saying, Oh my gosh, here. And if we talk about America in America, we all of a sudden have 80% more chemical imbalances than we did 10 years ago. It doesn't really make sense as opposed to are there some cultural patterns and manifestations that are catching up with us? Yeah. That phrase, chemical imbalance, didn't even really start being said until, I would say, mid-90s or ish, right? And prior to that, it was hidden. 
And, and that was bad. Mrs. Smith, 45, she's totally stressed out, getting ready to hit a panic attack. And she would sort of secretively go to the doctor, who is likely male, and say, oh, you're, you're being hysterical and give you some Valium. So it, it, that was bad. Well, isn't that, I think that's one of the arguments though, Randy, is, is that right now, I, I think I've heard this and I'm just remembering it, that maybe we're not, we're not having more problems. We're just having better Un- diagnoses. Un- uncovering more. Okay. Yeah. And that's always been, which who can, it's always been a de- 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 debate kind of a thing with ADD, ADHD, right? Like right, there's right. another disease of the brain or, or whatever that are we just finding it more or is it happening more? Or is it a little bit of both? Or are there cultural shifts? And I'm saying it's all the above. Uh, on that one, though, it's it, it, that would be a hard one for me not to feel like. No, I think that it's happening more because we're seeing we're seeing more kids dealing with behavioral issues now th- than ever, aren't we? Am yeah, I, it feels like it. Yeah, I, and and but in contrast to the past, where the manifestation was not there as much. Yeah. Right. Or was it the fact that people didn't even know that they could say those words because they would have gotten in trouble mm-hmm. or, or, or whatever, because the culture still said, well, sit still and be at your desk. Cause that's what good boys do <clears throat> or whatever. Right. Like the cultural piece of this is in there mm-hmm. of how do we educate? How do we, and, and now we have way more two, two parent working homes. And so kids get, you know, put into a, a, a systemic kind of system that expects a certain kind of behavior that maybe they, they go outside of those lines. And therefore the system says this kid has ADD and the doctors are likely to agree because there's no way to measure this or not. And it, that's where the diagnose your first question. Yeah. That's where I think those diagnoses can hurt well, as Sarah. And I want people to hear, cause you told me this as we were talking about it a week ago or something that you at, well, and, and right now you hardly, you started out as a general practitioner, yeah. right? GP. We, we don't like that word. We don't. What do we Family like? medicine. Family medicine. Okay. Uh, and so I come to you, I don't feel well, <clears throat> whatnot, that you are the front lines for, I don't know if you said this, but I, for psychiatry. Yeah. You're not a psychiatrist. Correct. You, We're the front lines for everything. So you, you went along with the psychiatrist and everybody else in the med school. You, you did rotations and you tried this and you did that, whatever. And then you said, oh, I want to be a family medicine guy. Or a brain, well, you, you could have chosen, I want to be a brain surgeon. I want to be a yeah. psychiatrist. I want to be yeah. a whatever. And you chose that psychiatry, but you had experience and they had you experience you know, psychiatry. But today, and I just hadn't thought about this. Most people are coming to you first. I don't feel well. If it is a mentally inclined, you know, issue, you said you're the gatekeeper. Yeah, we don't like that word either. Really? Front lines? Front lines is better. Okay. Well, so all of this also has a political, social, financial thread to it. In the 70s and 80s, insurance, HMOs, cost of healthcare is going crazy. So then a lot of those companies said, well you can't just go see a psychiatrist. You have to go see your family doctor first. They're cheaper and get a referral. And everything's a referral these days. You can't go see any specialist really without a referral. Can you? Uh, Well, then Obamacare came along and said, well, you don't, you don't have to do that anymore. So these days you can kind of go, but psychiatry is overwhelmed. Like if you said right now, I want to go get an appointment. I'd say, okay, three to six months down the road. Yeah. Like it just, they're, it's, they're overwhelmed. 
And so the only, and in fact, primary care is overwhelmed, right? So there's not enough of us for the amount of people that need to be seen. And psychiatry would agree with this. And if you've got a, you know, a relatively smart family practice guy, it's true. They can diagnose and take care of 80, 90% of the psychiatric concerns that people would have if they say, quote unquote, run of the mill, depression, anxiety, bipolar um, things, then yeah, do start with your family doc. But di- okay, but different. This is what's so weird is, or so difficult, I guess. Different than if my arm's broken, my arm's broken. We take an X-ray, you can see it. End of story. It's a fact. Yeah, but you just did that through the gatekeeper in the ER. Oh, no, who's going to send I'm you not, to the ortho I, guy? Yeah, okay, right. But but where I'm going is, if I have high blood pressure, if I have diabetes, you yeah. can do a test and say, "Ooh, the, here are the numbers." With this though, and I say, "Man, I'm freaking out," or "I'm depressed," or "I'm sad," or whatever. You kind of have to take my word for it. I mean, how can you get well, under the hood? Yeah, and- that, that's great. So the DSM has... D- uh, say what that is. Uh, the Diagnostic and Statistical... No, yeah, Diagnostic and Statistical Manual, which is a code book for... And they're on DSM getting ready to... DSM-5 okay. of, of saying, here's what bipolar is. So, so you can give it a code. I can give it to my insurance and they'll pay. Or you give it to my insurance and they'll pay. It's got to have a code. To, to, to take care of that, right. It's got to have a code, or which is a diagnosis, right? Like, let's use the medical side of that. We want to clarify, is this person depressed or anxious or both? Or just they didn't get enough sleep, right? And and you, s- but you have to make the call is what I'm saying. Right, but there is a test- guideline of if the person over the course of, say, six months has complaints of helplessness, hopelessness, um, or... They they no longer find joy in doing the things that they did find joy in based on their testimony, or they they normally exercise but they've stopped, or they normally sleep eight hours and now they sleep ten. Like we are stacking up evidence to say that's depression. Just to gonna, clarify, though, but if I come to you, and I, I get, again, not to use us as an example because I'm a friend and we work together every day, and there was context. But if I'm a new patient. Right. Doing, I don't know you. And you come in and say, I'm depressed. Well, or, or I'm, I'm, ex- I'm going to have a panic. And you see me, man. I am, I don't know. I'm sweating. I'm yep. bouncing off the walls. You're kind of pressured. And I mean, to help me even to go, okay, let's do a med right now. You don't have six months sure. to figure this out. Sure. Out of care. And, yeah. and, it, and I would say it is the right thing to do. That if, if somebody is getting ready to have a panic attack and you have some things that you could do or say or give to them that would help them to not have a panic attack. And that is what you should do. So now I have a med and what would the med be like Zoloft again? Uh, well, no, if in the acute sense, then we're going to give you Xanax. Okay. Which is, and so what would the, it, what's the diagnosis then? Is there a panic attack diagnosis? Yes. Oh really? Yeah. What would the ongoing though to say? Anxiety. I, okay. Just anxiety, an anxiety disorder. Yeah, and there's generalized anxiety disorder, and then there's all kinds of subsets. So, so of, now I'm looking for the label. I well, it's a diagnosis. I know, but but I I have anxiety, or I you have can anxiety. Choose to disorder. say it that way, but that's what often, and this is what Sarah said. That's often what goes if you get the prescription. It's very you're very prone to then embrace the diagnosis. Yeah, I call it. You wear the t-shirt. Yeah, yeah. I have anxiety. My whole life can't. Now, I don't say it like that anymore, right? Like, just with you, we didn't let you just be wigging out. 
I am a wigger outer. Okay. It, and, right. So then we, we then say, okay, but we'll, <laughs> that is, that's so that's another good bumper sticker. We're probably really unpolitically correct and insensitive too. But yeah, I, I, so I'm, I'm struggling. I mean, I do struggle with anxiety and again, we're balancing the relevance of a diagnosis, a label. And now am, is that my identity? Am I a, I'm you're, Kevin Miller. You're sure I have an risk. anxiety disorder That's right. or, or is, I mean, I struggle with anxiety. That is a part, it's a fragility of mine. Yes. And I, and I think as you grow older and wiser and increased awareness of your captaincy of your life, you could also say that same thing by saying it like, well, um, my name is Kevin Miller. I'm I'm 53, and I, mean, I have one, lived one. Don't put years. Uh, sorry, I am You're 51. The old guy. <laughs> That's right. Uh, I am 51, and I have lived my life in such a way that I have built uh, a system that I tend to be anxious, and I'm aware of that. And I'm now aiming at 52, and my hope is to be less anxious. You just put full responsibility on me. At the end of the day. That is exactly what I'm going to do. Okay. So let's do that compassionately. Compassionately. And saying, and, saying, and I have built my life. But, but can I, hang on. Yeah, yeah. If you came in and you are wigging out and I'm not going to ask you anything, I'm saying, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. Can I help you? Here's a pill. Yeah. That's what we're going to do. And I'm going to put the responsibility on me to help you get out of a pit. But once you're out of the pit, and that's what I, that my caveat there was wisdom, growth, maturity. Yeah. Awareness. Some people can be so sick they don't have growth capacity. They don't have awareness. They are they are blind to themselves. And, and we might call that a different kind of diagnosis of well, you know, somebody who can't see a narcissist or or, or you know, like the personality disorders. These things exist. They exist way more often in the movies. Yeah. Right? Like the reality is I think and this is kind of, I think, a landing point is we are working towards there's going to be the extremes that you are not in control of when it comes to your brain. But the vast majority of things, if you are willing to accept more captaincy, more responsibility, more awareness, that is your best chance to be becoming the kind of person that's less anxious okay, if that you want was to. said very tactfully because even if we go back and say for 51 years i've kind of built this system and i want to take responsibility but we can go back and go but there were some things that happened to you you were a victim of you outside did not choose your control outside that's of right. my control that helped pull the trigger to this direction that helped absolutely you know so even if i'm and we could go further and say could there be a literal mechanical chemical balance default brokenness. And that's where you would say, well, you're looking at me funny. Right. There are, that's an exception. That's a rare thing. And you cannot prove it. Okay. But, but I want to stop there. Cause I feel like we in our culture though, have gotten to the place of just kind of feeling like, Oh, if this is going wrong, you just have a brokenness. It's a default. Yeah. Yeah, and that's where and you we, and I are not defaulting. I know, and, and if, but if we go to the side of responsibility, that's volatile because you're well, saying it's my fault. Say, oh, well, yes, you. Something happened to you. You had no control over that thing happening to you. you had a hundred percent control over how you responded to what happened to you. I should have. Can we say that though? I should have. I want to no, grow. No, you did have. That's harsh. 
Well, but here's the caveat is you had trained. Okay. Here's the caveat that takes away the harshness. You subconsciously there. Okay. That helps trained yourself to respond in the way that you responded. Yes. I didn't know any better. I still did it, but there's a lot of things I don't know any better. I don't know any you, better take care of my finances and I end up bouncing checks because I yeah, just didn't. That's right. But you know, my, you, you know more now than you did. Yeah. And I would say, yeah, it's my fault that I was ignorant. I was ignorance right. is bliss. That's right. <laughs> there Now, sometimes you don't know what you don't know. That, that's, and that's what I was getting to with ignorance. And that's what you say is the most dangerous thing. You've said right. that for years. Yeah. We don't know what we don't know. And oh my gosh, I just did a show with Josh Peck and we were talking about I asked him, you know, if he relates to his younger self, who was a very different person. He says, dude, I don't relate to the guy I was last year. And, and I brought that up, that propensity that Ben Hardy told me of, we tend to look at our past self and go, oh my gosh, I can't believe that person. You know, I've changed so much, but we think who we are now is who we are. Well, now right. I'm me. And yet we know that in a year, two years, three years, I'm going to look back at me right now. You go, and oh think my I'm an idiot. Gosh, yeah. were you ignorant? You did <laughs> not know what you did not know. So that right there, to me, is the greatest compassion for us saying you do have full responsibility, but you're probably blind. You have been blind, and so part of why you're here is, you know, don't don't call it your fault. But if we still say I did create the pattern, I mean, like the anxiety that I that day that wasn't a one shot deal, and even though there was an an issue going on. Right. You didn't the, wake up and catch a chemical imbalance. Right. It was a culmination of how I had been That's living right. my life, which you fully well knew, because we've been talking about this, yeah. had been then, yeah. that I, I like, kind of like you, I can throw you under the bus too, that we tend to like having a lot of things going. We like new things. We like a lot of commitment. We don't want to be bored. We like having stuff. And you can do that though. And you don't create margin. You don't create rest. And, and for me, especially, and maybe I have a propensity towards anxiety issues. Maybe I do have a fragility, but I'm also feeding the fire out of that sucker. Right. Generally. Right. You're you, on that particular day, your wig out response, if we call it that is exactly what you trained your body to do. And now again, the compassion isn't felt yeah. in that statement. Um, but, but then I also, it gives you power. It does. It, <laughs> it, it totally does. Because if I break my arm, I mean, obviously I guess if I don't move, I have less chance to, but you know, the you get hit by a car or something, man, that's a victim. But this Again, year you want to be in America. I do want to, but I do right. want to feel like I have control. And, and you do, you, you have control over the way you drive your car, the way you ride your bike. If I right, can like, get in a car or get on a bike. Yeah, that's right. So this is that balancing act between recognizing control and not control, because it's also pathological to think I am in control of everything. Mm -hmm. Well, just wait for the next five minutes and it's going to rain on your head or something. Mm -hmm. You're not in, we're not talking about that kind of control. It's, a, it's, it's the control of language. If I say, kannst du mich auf Deutsch verstehen? No. You'd right. say, yeah. But if I said, okay, Kevin, because we've deemed that speaking German is going to be important to you, that you, you feel called by God to, to do this. And you know what? I'm going to motivate you. I'm going to, I'm going to say, here's a million bucks. I'll learn Will German. you please learn German in six Absol months? Absolutely. No doubt in your mind yeah. that you could do that. Okay. If I said, here's a million bucks, guarantee for me that you will not have a bike crash. You could do that. 
but by not riding don't a bike, get on a bike right? yeah. or even if you got on a bike you would say okay i'm not going to go on those trails or that trails i got to keep my mind about me but even if you rode hard that's a pretty solid bet yeah okay so now let's pick something like um you that you and i both need we randy you need to date your wife more court Court, Court, you you need to court your wife well i would but you need to exercise i need more core flexibility yep okay and so prior to you wigging out there was all kinds of those little thoughts in there somewhere along the way because you're not an ignorant guy now you don't know what you don't know but you subconsciously trained yourself to speak english you subconsciously not I, I sub I not consciously don't speak Chinese, right? Like I subconsciously don't speak other languages. Yeah. Okay. Translate that into whatever you want to captain your boat towards. And I'm in total control of applying German or not. But I'm not in control of what's gonna happen to me six months down the road and I'm in Germany or I'm in France. And, and that, so, yeah. but if I speak German, I, I study it, and I buy the right plane ticket, I'm way more likely to be successfully in German ordering food in Germany than if I randomly take a plane anywhere and wind up in China. And that, that's yeah. how I think Sarah wound up with, oh my gosh, you're eight, you're not eating, you have anorexia. Yeah. Which she did, because what does anorexia mean? Not eating. Yeah. Yeah. But <laughs> it wasn't. not wrong. But it wasn't or, a broken... Uh, it, it wasn't. She didn't wake up and catch anorexia. Yeah, she's not eating because her stomach hurt when she ate. So we've been talking about well, ADD, ADHD, and I told you about the book I was reading, Stolen Focus, and the, uh-huh. and the relationship of screens. And so there again, culturally, we've got now Gen Z and Alpha, who are these screen natives, and is that part of what's creating ADD, ADHD, and and because. Of, you know, culturally, and, and this guy had a, had a point, and he said, well, you know, that kid's getting abused, and, and he's going to go home, and he's terrified of this, but nobody's asking him that question. Mm-hmm. If you knew you were going to go home and get abused, and somebody's telling you to sit still and learn how to, you know, read and write, like, it's just not rational. So... That's what was happening with Sarah, and or some variation on that theme is happening to all of us. Is it fair to say with a mental, I don't even want to say, how can we say not a mental illness? It's like saying diabetes, pre-diabetes. How can you say it's not a mental illness, but you're having a mental struggle? Uh, Okay. A challenge? uh, Sure. A mental challenge. I mean, I'm struggling mentally. It doesn't. Mental valley? I mean, because how many people, well, we've talked about this. How many people out there feel, you know, sad, blue, little apathetic? Or flip it around. Would you like to be happier? Would you like to be more peaceful? Oh, so you have anxiety, you have depression, okay, if you're not, right? right? Like, right. Uh, so I'm afraid we're all on the spectrum. It. Yeah, okay. We're all on the spectrum of every one of these diagnoses all the time. Yeah. But at what, that's your point. To your point, where do we draw, where do we say, ah, okay, we're calling it. That's depression. Yeah. Well, if you've got a gun to your head, <laughs> we're calling it. I'm not going to ask you, where'd you go to school today? And what your job is? We're just going to say, uh, you know, we're going to talk you off the ledge. Yeah. If you're crying, wrapped up, 
a ball in the corner, I'm not going to say, well, what'd you eat last night? You know, we're going to give you some medicine or a shot of Haldol or, you know, something. There's the acute. But then to bring us all back, what are we doing to feed the propensity towards this thing? Because we go back to Sarah's story and I didn't talk to her about this on the show. You and I did though. So back to her eight year old self. Well, here's the big question. Let me just go here. Well, I can start with her, but you know, her eight year old self and she's not eating, she's taken to the doctor and said, Hey, you're not eating anorexic and here's a drug or a treatment or whatever the doctor didn't. And to your testimony, isn't really even trained necessarily to dig under the hood and go, okay. So in the time allotted, which is probably 10 or 15 minutes, what's happening at home? What's tell me about our genetics. What's, what's been going on there? What pre, what, what possible mechanical predispositions does she, could she possibly have now what's been going on at home? Cause if you look at Sarah's life and that's part of her story and her candid book, it's in a kind of a memoir style is this terrible. It was terrible. And how often do we have a mental challenge and, and especially more so break break. Is that a, mm-hmm. okay. Sure. Break without environmental causations. Almost, Hardly al- ever. Almost never. Yeah. I mean, that's right. what, no different than how, when do we, when does, do we ever have an arm break? I, I've never been standing here and all of a sudden, <laughs> crap, my arm my just arm broke. Just broke right. There's some ca- causation. And I, again, that's what I feel like, again, my layman's terms of, it feels like we are looking at mental challenges, mental illnesses, diagnosis, prescribing drugs in this epidemic of it. Like something is wrong out there and not looking at our lives. Yeah. We are passive. Yeah. It is a, it's either there's the victim side of it. And of course, if you, if you are raised in a terrible environment, you are a victim. And there is the enabling side. I, I, you know, we have enabled people to be the victim, but with great compassion and humility and everything else, we have to go to the victims. Yeah, gosh, and to that standpoint, though, there are a lot of people hearing this, and you have every right to have a mental illness. They're just like Sarah. Oh my gosh, man. The, yeah, the, it's the, amazing she wasn't worse than she was. Oh my gosh, yeah. yeah. The, the, who knows what happened genetically? Who's, what happened in your, in your, the trauma of life and whatever? You have every reason. So, again, this is not a, 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 an uncompassionate look no. at you, but it is saying, okay, what can you do to give yourself, as Randy James would say, the best opportunity, best possibility? for being the best you, the wellest you, the most functioning you, and that you do have a lot of control. Even if you get to the point like Sarah, who's now written a book and I had her on the show of saying she's still though, because of some things that happened and even because of some of the treatments and the mistreatments of mental diagnosis and whatever, she has some fragilities. This is my word. I don't know how she said some fragilities that she helps with therapy and a medication or two. Yeah. And that is, and a Very lot of lifestyle wise. changes. Was, yeah. yeah. She's doing that in her context. She has awareness through the course of life. She was forced, let's say, to learn how to speak French. And it's called, I, 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 I sound like an American when I speak French. I recognize that. So I'm, I'm going to make amends and I'm not going to go for the job of a TV commentator on TV, but I'm, I'm also going to read the dictionary and do some study and do some practice because I know that's what I to speak French because that's what I want to do in my culture or let's use her words to have 
peace and contentment and satisfaction and love and joy and grace and kindness in my life. I know that this medicine helps me. Call it chemical imbalance, call it whatever, call it predest, uh, genetic predispositions. I mean, there's, and that's what we're saying is culturally, the hockey stick of diseases of, de- of despair are going up, but we're not empowering or teaching or training people to, to have any captaincy of their own yeah. self. Captaincy is such a great word. Yeah, I mean, because to her, it makes me think of, of boundaries. So I had Nedra Tawab uh, Glover on the show uh, last year or so talking about her book uh, on boundaries. Of course, most people know Cloud, uh, right? Yeah. Henry? Henry, Henry? Henry Cloud. Townsend. And Townsend yeah. uh, on, on his book on boundaries. And it makes me, you know, and that is kind of a mental health thing. But this is one, and Sarah's a good example. She today has boundaries that she didn't have in accordance with her fragility and reality sure. and whatever. And she says, okay, for the person that I have become at this point in my life, from victimhood, from bad choices, from whatever, all that today, I don't drink. So that's right. just one that I just, I, it's not a good place for me to go. Nothing, right. It has nothing to do with drinking being good, bad. It's like drinking's benign. Right. Uh, in, in her, you know, but for her, no, she doesn't do caffeine. She keeps margin in her life. She makes sure she goes outside for a certain amount of time, she engages with friends to ward off her propensity for isolation, which I mean, I, I understand that and yada, yada, yada. She's created these things, but, and, and this came up too, it comes back to, you know, where you do start off with a patient. What's your motive? What's the goal here? Obviously you want something better or you would not be here. So Sarah's saying for who I am and who I want to be. Yeah. And you and I talked about this recently. Cause I thought, man, if it's, I am grateful for the accountability, even of just my own desires. I want to do podcasts and be paid for them. I want to do a book. I want to be physically able. That keeps me accountable to not getting plastered tonight at a bar or, or, or eating pizza with gluten for, you know, gluten crust, if that's what does me in. Or right. Those are kind of negative kind of things you also in a positive sense don't do the good thing of volunteering at help the needy right like because you're motivated to fair like it's not that you and i are getting pulled 20 different ways with you know strip bars and and scotch and whiskey around every corner and oh my gosh my life is so hard to not do that not do that not do that it's we, we we have so many good things and that we're trying to set a boundary for the best Well, it brings up the appetites as always. I am not, I can't imagine not having a sweet tooth. I just, I always have, I always, and to that well, extent, I, you have trained it. Yeah. You, and I, you, and I, I say, you, I even want to, I, I like my sweet tooth. Okay. So now you're wisely recognizing your own volition. Volition. It's not subconscious. I it is now conscious. no to having a sweet tooth. I don't think my, I don't want it for my soul. I enjoy it, but. How do I manage that appetite? Could Does that it, become a bad thing? Do I eat chocolate for every meal? Do I eat the highest sugar chocolate? Do I whatever? And I have, well, we haven't even, we're not even going to be able to have lunch today. But if I did, I would have a cup, some. I did. I my did broccoli. you? Oh, I didn't get to my uh, dark chocolate covered almonds with as low, you know, little sugar. And I'm not going to have three packages of them. For one thing, they're so expensive, like $7 for that stupid little <laughs> container. I can't afford that. Um, but have a little bit after dinner, 
you know, same thing. If I have some wine that fulfills a little sweet tooth as well, but I'm going to manage that. Like we talk about elevate the appetite because I don't know that I want to go so far as just to kill it. But there are other things I've killed. Like you saying that I, I have, I'm not going to say, well, I'll do a little bit of having an affair. Right. Or you have a boundary. Yeah. I'll just yeah. tip my kids a little bit. Not much. Right. Maybe once a week. I mean, there are some hard lines, obviously, and we got to manage those on the positive. Well, you say advantage. obviously, but that well, this is what we're getting to. And because boundaries are boundaries and French is French. German is German. You can't speak French German. Yeah. And, and that, and, and I think culturally, again, we're struggling because people identify as a certain age way of being, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And then if they get challenged, they feel that offensively and they want to create a safe space. Yeah. And that gets very political. That gets very confusing, et cetera. And, and, and so in, within our own captaincy of our own mind, you have many, many borders. And, and we talk about this all the time. It's just where are you going to draw a line? Of how many chocolates, how much wine, how many people are in here with mental challenges as a result of what you just did a second ago of good things. It's not that they're falling to bad things. It's good things. They're taking care of their kids. They're taking care of their spouse They're taking care of their aging parents. They're volunteering at the school. They're doing all these good things and it is wigging them out. That's right. Because they're anemic when it comes to margin. They're anemic when it comes to rest. They're atrophic. They don't exercise the muscle of Sabbath ever, which this is one that we would have to say. We both been in that club and and struggle with that club. We're both used to be far worse than we are today. I don't know if again, we're on the spectrum. I don't know. Am I healthy? I mean, I probably depends on the day and the week. And well, it's, 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 I thought about you the other day, like the book reading at night, right? And I, and I testified to your testification of me of saying, well, of course you read a book and it doesn't everybody. I, I was ignorant of the fact that other people didn't do that. Um, and I'm so grateful. And then, and even now, I'm in a good book, by the way. I'll share it with I you. I am too. Uh, so those are great things, right? And um, I find myself going, dude, it's 8 o'clock. Can I go to bed? <laughs> Get a whole hour reading in. <laughs> yeah. And, um, but if we were to talk to my teenager about doing that, he'd be like, oh, what a, what a pain. Like that's burdensome or whatever. Um, and so now I look at that not as a burden. It's, I'm, it, it's kind of, it has shifted from a challenge to then become, you know, a habit to now become an enjoyment that is what I would call shifting f- on that spectrum. I'm waving my arms around where over here is anxiety as people grow in wisdom and understanding of that, then you can shift to, okay, Kevin, what are you doing to build peace, mm-hmm. to build contentment? To because it's never going to be perfect. There's always challenge. There's always a valley. There's always the next COVID. There's always the next. Oh my gosh, I did fall and break my arm, or I did do something. And 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 it's not that we relish problems, but I have become more of a person. And and from a faith perspective, I would say it. Mm-hmm. I'm more confident in my relationship with God in such a way that I that I have more confidence in being able to handle 2023 weller better than when I was younger. Yeah. Well, well but I'm that, conscientiously doing things now to try to be that. Person. Well, conscientious is great. I was, you know, self-awareness, call it conscientiousness. I mean, that's what it's calling to of even, you know, what are our goals? What are we doing to feed or starve? 
what we want. Cause I do feel like with my natural appetites, okay. If I think about Kevin's natural appetites, I am diabetes, uh, two, uh, what is it called? Diabetes two mm. type two type two. I am that waiting to happen. If left to my own core, what would Seth Godin would say? The lizard brain, the lower self, the, just my base appetites, yeah. man. I want sugar. I want to start the day off with donuts and caffeine. I want lunch that's high in carbs and some pie. For dinner, I'm good with just pie. I could just do an all pie thing and and feed you know my insulin response, whatever, and feed myself diabetes. Same thing as I am uh, an anxiety disorder waiting to happen because I don't want to say no. I want to do more. My self-image is tied up into it. I fear boredom. Um, in a healthy and unhealthy way, I think. And so those things are there that I have to keep at bay or mm-hmm. manage. However it feels. Sometimes I feel like I'm doing well managing. Sometimes I feel like I'm struggling and I'm keeping them at bay, but it's only the conscientiousness of what I want out of myself in the morning. That's why it's when I see people just totally, you know, on movies and they're, you know, taking shots and they're just destroying themselves and think, man, you're going to be destroyed in the morning. How do you do that? You must not have kids to take to school like I do or writing that you have to do or patience that you have to discern. Yeah. Or, Uh, or anything that you care about, but I'm not taking away from the desire to do that. I get it, man. I I get that. But here we are all being conscious of who do we want to be? What do we want to try to feed and giving ourselves again to the functional medicine, the best possibility to be our best selves, even with levels of brokenness, which I guess, you know, to come uh, back was, to that and say, we all are on the spectrum. Yeah, of I was broken. just going to say, then, okay. then, then the compassion comes in because we all know an alcoholic. We all know a shopaholic, a workaholic, a, a, an anythingaholic who lost control of their boundaries, <clears throat> lost control of their appetites, fed subconsciously. Nobody sets out to become an alcoholic. Like you just said, if you just follow your base appetites, it leads to baseness. And, mm-hmm. and, uh, and I think these appetites are gifts. It's, you know, sweet is wonderful. Sex is wonderful. Wine is wonderful. Uh, work is wonderful. But if it becomes the, the core of oneself, then it's, it, it's going to leave you empty. Or that aspect of it's driving you instead of are you driving it, which you've, mm-hmm. ta- you've done that for years with us with sugar and wine. They say, am I... To that intent yeah. is what you said. Is it in my in my control it, of it, or is it controlling me? Yeah, yeah. And same with work. Same with even marriage and, and parenting. Like, like what you just said. The good things. Mm-hmm. Well, all I'm doing is parenting. All I'm doing is, you know, taking care of my spouse. All I'm doing is taking care of my parents. All I'm doing is, is yes. And and there are some people who have an appetite for that. They are service oriented, but they're not sabbathing. They're they're atrophic on these other things. They're even. They're even anemic or atrophic in their awareness, self-awareness. And there's other people who are hyper self-aware and they, they're a narcissist. Right. And, and again, to give credit back to, so I, I mentioned a minute ago, Josh, I think I did, Josh Peck, an yeah. actor I just had on the show. And so he's a kid, you know, with friends and whatever, and they have food available. And yet he's aware that how does that kid eat a handful of chips and then just leave the bag there? Because if it's him, the whole bag is going to go and more. No idea. I don't know that he knows today. What was it in him that was different and took him to be, he's like 12 years old and like almost 300 pounds. It's wow. bad. Yeah. Um, I don't know. 
but he, today he's aware of that. He's, t- he's aware that that fat kid is still in him and he doesn't want to be him. So he of course alters his life. But to that a compassion, I don't know idea. He doesn't know why was he different? What was yeah. it? Now he had a hard life, but other kids had hard lives. Yeah. And I've got, I, I guess that one was dear to me because I have a, a daughter, an adopted daughter and that's her, the food, man. It just controls her like no other. I see the other kids who just, ah, eh, it's food, but Take if it's it, there, leave it, right? it haunts her. It's just got control over her. I don't know exactly the brokenness. All that to say for each of us, though, when you find yourself in a place and go, man, why do I struggle so much and somebody else doesn't? I don't know. Maybe you could figure it out. Maybe you can't. But even just being aware, conscientious, saying, I, I'm broken. I'm going to have to create a different boundary for somebody else. Sucks for me, as my yep. kids would say. Sucks for me. We all have, everybody has there's, a sucks for me somewhere. Yeah. And, and, and there's going to be the genetic predispositions yeah. in there. Yeah. And some of those are hardwired. Yeah. I hate to tell you this, but you're a white guy. You're going to have to think about sunscreen Yeah, more than that guy sucks for you. And you can, but the mindset that you have is if you keep thinking, this is terrible. I can't believe I have to buy SPF 50. I got the short. End this of the is stick. the worst yeah. thing ever. You are now subconsciously building not peace. And again, so you can't say that without compassion because here you are, you and I are two privileged white guys by yeah. proxy and talking to somebody who has had everything possible against them and is nothing but compassion. And yet we're still in the same place though. Of it's, you got a harder road to hoe. I'm so sorry. So do most of the people on my shelves, uh, not to minimize anything, but right. It's, it's also saying that with the word, cause not to maximize it either. Like not to, like we said, yeah. if most of the people on your shelf had a hard life, should we make our children's lives that much harder yeah, so that I, they can hate us and then go off and do great things? That's another show that I don't even want to do. It, yeah. it, so, I, so where I would get to the core, if there's a wrap up, like found, then I think it's relationship. And in this case, we're talking about your relationship with yourself. Yeah. It, cause you can beat yourself up or you can entitle yourself. You can victimize yourself or you can empower yourself. Like that spectrum is within every human. There are the, you know, middle-aged white privileged guys out there who feel victimized yeah. even because they didn't get the promotion or they didn't get the thing. And, and they're devastated and they have true and real depression, anxiety, and whatever. And they might need some Zoloft. It, we're all over the spectrum on, on any of these things at any point in our time. And so, again... It, it, we're not minimizing social injustices. We're not maximizing privilege. We're, we're saying every human does have a relationship with themselves. First of all, even before God, you are self-aware. And it's pain or hunger as a child. And so many of us grew up in homes that weren't great. And so that creates a little crack in your yeah. ability to be self-aware. And Tana, amen, we, you had her on the show. And, and sure, that creates a more of a chance that you're, that, that person's going to be have a, have a, have a diagnosis, have a, have a problem, but it doesn't guarantee it. And you can come out, but it's harder. Yeah. Just like it's harder for the, you know, al, uh, albino guy to get a nice suntan. Like there, it's, it's super duper hard. Okay. Well, if, if your goal in life is to get a suntan and you're the albino guy, that's, that's just, that's just hard. Like if you're Spud Webb wanting to get in the NBA, that's harder. So here we all are, you and I, we're going to, stop the show. We're going to go off and do whatever we're going to do. And, and you are going to walk around with yourself. And it's, 
which direction are you going to nurture that relationship? Yeah. And, and that's the, that's what I think the value of this conversation is, is, is to take stock of who you are, where you are, what your motivations are. Don't say only victim words. Don't say only empowerment words. Cause that's kind of foolish too. Like yeah. we can't empower ourselves to not get wet out in the rain. And somewhere in there, I, I firmly believe I have great hope and ambition. And so do you inspiration that yeah, life is worth living and I'm looking forward to next year. And I, and I think with, uh, you know, to come back to this mental health aspect, the next patient that you get in, you get in here and let's say that they are already diagnosed. They've already been on the, like a Sarah, uh, Faye, they've already been on this to come in and can they say, can you heal me, Dr. James? And you would probably say, can I heal? No, but can we get you weller? Yeah. Is that well or mean that we can eradicate that diagnosis and get you off meds? All You don't know. And you said that. Maybe not. Yeah. Maybe you have gotten to a point of brokenness, even if, and I want people to hear this, even if you do everything from this point forward, perfect. You take full responsibility. You live the cleanest life ever possible. You could be at a point where you still need whatever, but can we give you a better quality? Can we have, you know, lesser meds? Can we, what? Yeah. Yes. I, I don't, take away the wheelchair from the guy who can't walk. But can that guy learn some pull-ups? Can he do a, but is that wheelchair going to be a part of his life? Yeah. yeah because whatever got broken enough that it's not coming back. Yeah. Uh, and the same can happen in the mind. And, but in contrast to uh, measurable nerves or strength or a broken bone or a broken back in the mind, we, we just don't have those clear lines. And, and so it always in the mind, in the personality will remain mysterious That's to a degree. Serious. But as we continue to learn more about, there's neuroplasticity, that mind can grow and change. That's right. And that is a fact. Like that, that is, is measurable. Yeah. Now somebody's neuroplasticity might be a little stickier, yeah. slower than somebody else's. Yeah. And could it be so incredibly stuck to where it's not going to, yes. And we have things like CP and. ALS and MS and all these other kind of mind nerve related yeah. situations. But is it, is it, is it that I would say that's very, very rare. And, and more, again, the sicker you get, the more easier it is to make a diagnosis to say, well, my gosh, yeah. you have cerebral palsy. You know, we're not going to expect you to graduate high school. That just won't happen yeah. or whatever. Um, so, so, I think the core there is relationship with oneself, being aware and like in your conversation with Sarah and her, it took her 30 or whatever yeah. years to develop this awareness. And, yeah. and she was frustrated. Like, why didn't somebody say something sooner? And I would say, yeah, that in our frustration, you, you and I, as we do a podcast is how do we say the right words so that people hear them in the, in the way that, can help them. How do we say the right words in the way that we can help ourselves? As is the uh, premise of the show. Yep. Friends, I hope you're getting value from these episodes where we continue conversations and give you more in-depth engagement with these self-help topics so you can make the changes you want and get the results you want. Dr. Randy James is my dear friend. He'll be a frequent co-host here. You're going to hear us often reference his medical practice here in Colorado. It's his offices here that I have my studio in. And you can find more about what he does if you're interested at truelifemedicine.com. 
And thanks for choosing to tune in to the Self-Helpful Podcast. If you get value, subscribe, leave a rating and a review, help others know what they can get from the show as well. I sincerely hope that I've helped you help yourself.